Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Chad and MJC Talking Bullsh. I'm your host, Chad, and I am joined by my fellow host, MJC. How's it going, and man? It is I'm well. excited I mean, for this. <laughs> the I'm excited. The Bulls are fucking 4-0 right now. And one, we're doing a Bulls podcast. We've talked about this a few times before. And um, on our Every Movie Ever podcast, we just tend to tangent about Bulls. Mostly the baby Bulls and actually the pre-baby Bulls with Marcus Pfizer. Kind of that in-between Jordan and baby Bulls area. And then we go off and tangent into all Bulls. Yeah, usually, we'll, we'll, because it's a movie podcast, we'll start with Space Jam, work our way to Baby Bulls, <laughs> and then just reminisce about random shit like Marcus Pfizer. <laughs> Which, I love that we both have share a passion for Marcus Pfizer. Like, admittedly, not the greatest bull ever, but he has a place in my heart always. Hey, I went to like three Bulls games during that era, and he was always player of the game. <laughs> it was... <laughs> He was a good player. Didn't he play for like Toronto for a little bit or something like that? Uh, and I think Sacramento. I think on Twitter he uses his Sacramento uniform as his uh, uh, profile photo, which kind of upsets me, but it's fine. It's fine. That's, or is that's, it his Milwaukee uniform? I got to look it up now. Oof. Yeah, but either way, that's disappointing. But let's be real. That Bulls era was quite rough around the edges. I guess a little bit about our Bulls fandom. He's using his Bucks uniform. But you know what? The Bucks won the championship, so it makes sense that maybe he would wear his Bucks uniform on his Twitter profile. Yeah. Unless he has Bucks in six, he's not really about it. But I do feel like, you know, he played for them. Might as well represent. So, like Swick said, 90s babies here. And mostly Space Jam, Michael Jordan oriented. Um, we grew up in the three-peat. Like, we were literally born into that shit. And the years after. The the years oh. after. <laughs> yeah. Dealing with Jay Williams, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, love him or hate him. Um, he is a legend. And Kirk, I, you said love or hate Kirk Heinrich? There are people who don't like Kirk Heinrich. How I do... personally did not like him as a starter. I liked him as a player. I did not like him as the centerpiece for what we were building he on. He was what they needed at the time with what type of team they had, though. So I don't think you can really hate Fair. him. Uh, especially, he was a Paxson person, and as we learned as time went on, no one wanted to play for Paxson. So that was the best the Bulls were able to do. Yeah. I, though I do, while I hate Paxson, I mean, I, hate's a strong word. While I hate the teams that Paxson produced outside of Derrick Rose falling into his lap. Um, I respect him. Like I listened to Stacey King's hot sauce podcast where he did an interview with John Paxson and it was, it was very enlightening for what he looks for in building a team. Like it was, he wanted people who were essentially what Jordan instilled in him, which makes me also understand why players didn't want to play for him. <laughs> He, his mentality for so long was, I am only drafting players that come from winning college programs. And that is the complete opposite of what they were doing before him when they were distracting any high school kid with talent. So then yeah. he went in and was like, I'm only getting collegiate athletes that come from winning programs, which is how you end up with everyone from fucking Duke at the time. Or basically anyone that came from a program that competed for a national championship ended up on the bulls. And that worked for a little bit, but that didn't work in the long run as the NBA changed. Like, and I think that was the problem is the thing he wanted to do kind of worked in the mid two thousands, but the NBA changed so drastically that it, this was time for him to go. Yeah. And to his credit, the two star point guards, Kirk Heinrich aside, he, it wasn't his fault. Derrick Rose injury, freak accident. Jay Williams injury, freak accident. Like that's kind of tough to deal with, but we've seen many other teams pivot and make it work later. So yeah, yeah. And, and then the coaches he he hired outside of Vinny uh, were all the type of coaches that don't work in a modern NBA. I mean, Tom Thibodeau 
kind of works obviously because in new york but it's a very very roster specific though he's he's roster specific and very demanding of his stars which you can't do if you want like a superstar no just based on how the bulls prior to this year reacted to jim boylan i could not imagine them liking tibbs no yeah like tibbs would have been like tibbs only works in new york with that level of star Tibbs would not work with like a LeBron. Uh, nah. Tibbs might work with a Giannis, but like I can see that, yeah, because Giannis is like the hardworking. I don't care how like I basically broke my leg in the finals, but then I continued <laughs> on. Like that works with Tibbs, but in terms of like uh, a LeBron type star or a Trey Young, it would never work. Uh, and like that's why I, I could never see like Levine working with the Tibbs. Yeah, exactly. And as much as I love this team right now that we have, I am so excited about this team. Mm-hmm. I I never really liked that it seemed like, you know, we know Boylan was asking a lot. He was he wasn't a very player friendly coach. But these dudes were like sucking, you know, like they were playing so bad that it's like I Allen Iverson can say practice. But what the fuck are y'all talking about? So this is very satisfying to me because Billy Donovan seems like he's just as demanding. He's just more people friendly. Well, also, I feel like Levine last year and Levine this year, completely different people. Yeah. Uh, If you look at, I, I don't know what happened to him during the Olympics, but it feels like the Olympics changed him in terms of his mentality uh we'll talk about like their their games in a couple minutes or whatever but the toronto game when they asked him how he felt he was just like a win's a win but i'm not happy with it basically is how he came down to (laughs) that is different than the levine from a year or two ago very much so like this dude wants to win he's also trying to get paid so Mm -hmm. like you can tell this levine would probably have worked better with boylan uh, than the levine boylan worked with yeah, and I think that's what Boylan wanted from him was like he needed to take control and be the one that sets the tone in that locker room. And I think what the Bulls have now is one of fr- a more people friendly coach where Zach Levine feels cool with that. He spent some time on Team USA, and we know that KD kind of took him under his wing and wanted to help him improve on defense. And just the coaches that are on Team USA, like, and Team USA culture in general is like, yeah, sure. Like, there are more important things than basketball and whatnot. But in America, like, you kind of bring home gold or it's a failure. Mm-hmm. And that mentality, I assume, had to change him. And plus, he's not, he's the leader of our team now, but they got much more seasoned veterans around him and people with championship experience to kind of take lead position, it seems. Like, he's still the leader but he takes a back seat and doesn't feel his pressure to be the one. No, it's completely agree. Yeah. He seems like, well, especially like, let's talk about the, the off season. Uh, yep. Let's go because I that. think that plays a huge part into it because he has some other alphas with him now that he's totally willing to work with. But yeah. And each one of those alphas has a, a chip on their shoulder. It seems mm-hmm. All right, where do you want to start with their off-season acquisitions? Like, we could talk a little bit about Vooch, how they basically, like... I feel like you have to talk about Vooch, though. Uh, Vujovic? Vucevic. I I just go Vooch, because that's all Stacey Keen ever calls him. And I imagine it's because he doesn't want to say the wrong... (laughs) (laughs) They basically sold the farm for Vooch, which is why I think they went so aggressive this off-season. Yeah, because they're, especially their since whole it didn't future. go well the last year. Yeah, they they sold their future for Vooch, which last year, man, I was like, oh shit, this was a mistake. <laughs> um, but they made up for it by building pieces around to the point where, I'm sorry, but Vooch might be the worst person in the starting lineup <laughs> sometimes. I absolutely agree. He uh, And I won't say that as he's bad. He just... He doesn't fit. It's very noticeable that he is the weak link of the starting five. And Toronto exploited that yesterday, but we'll get into we'll get into that. But uh, 
they they had I think I know what you're so this is the confusing thing with me is I I think I know who your favorite acquisition is, but I also <laughs> I'm know curious to hear it. So I actually think it's Ball, but you've been on the DeRozan bandwagon since that dude was drafted. Yeah. Um. So I it's hard to tell. Like I think from a basketball mind perspective, you know, Ball is the move. Like but, Ball is probably my favorite. Uh, I'd say the balls, Lamelo and Lonzo, are like my favorite players in basketball. Not named Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. And I keep Derrick Rose out of it because one, I'm biased, and two, like that motherfucker, the greatest player of all time. You ask me, not Jordan <laughs> aside, <laughs> but um, modern era for you. Like what I value in basketball is playmaking and defense and effort, and I think Lonzo does that at an extremely elite level. I thought he should have been the number one overall pick and would have felt fit very well with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And they kind of shunned him for Markel Fultz. And then the Lakers got him. And it was just so much criticism about shots he wasn't taking and stuff like that. And at the time, he was more of a playmaker and defender. And he has put in the work for shooting. And I agree with him. I think he will prove to people this year that he is one of the best shooters in the league. He ain't no Steph Curry or no Klay Thompson. But, but he doesn't but he'll nail the to. open ones. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't exactly. even have to right now. Uh, I just think his right vision and seeing the court is amazing to me. Right now, he's like probably top five for defensive player of the year. We're only four games in, but I think <laughs> he's he's definitely in that conversation based on some of the stats. And not only the stats, uh, just what you've seen defensively from them since he's been there. Him and Alex Caruso together. Man, Caruso it makes is me... probably my second favorite right now, dude. <laughs> uh, which, is, which sounds blasphemous uh, based on your DeRozan uh, loyalty. But like... When I look at the fact that like LeBron had Ball and Caruso at the same time, like, and it didn't work out for Ball, and then Caruso left after he got a, a championship, it's just wild to me of just like, man, the Lakers had Ball and Caruso at at one point. They could have been so good. Right now, Caruso is leading the team in steals. <laughs> right now, leading the NBA in, t- yeah. in steals. And Ball's not too far behind him, and it's just yeah. fucking. And Ball's wild. getting. Ball's getting blocks. One point eight right now. Like my God, it's just so so fun to watch. But to to comment on. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go. I was gonna say to comment on your DeRozan thing. I absolutely love DeRozan, and I have always dreamed of a day where I would see DeRozan and Zach Levine on the same team, simply off of their dunk contest wins and and whatnot. Like I've always wanted to see that. I don't know. Like I I love them. He just is more fun for me to watch Alex Caruso and, and Zach Le- or not Zach Levine, uh, Alonzo Ball. They are well, like Caruso is such a perfect fit for Chicago's mentality. It's insane. Aside from the fact that like Caruso is a great player, but he's also like a meme dude. <laughs> like he's our new Scalabrini. Yeah. Like, but can play. You know, (laughs) Scalabrini was you always heard stories like Scalabrini is like that guy you want in practice to push your stars. But in game, it didn't translate like an actual game time. But Caruso actually does that. Like he's a meme player that can actually fucking play. And he's scrappy as shit. And Chicago loves scrappy players. Like that's why scrappy. Get it done. Like Nocioni didn't really do much outside of the Bulls, but when he was in a Bulls uniform, he was like scrappy as hell and one of the most entertaining players. And Crusoe kind of fits that mold, just you know, for a, like smaller position. Yeah, agree, man. I would love to see. It obviously, can't happen, but I would love to see Nocioni on this team, man. Be amazing. But I think that's the potential. <laughs> Sorry. I think Patrick Williams it has far more potential than Nocioni, but I think that he can be that same type of jail to yeah. what we need in there, kind of like a Andre Karolinko. Yeah, though people still see some quiet in Patrick Williams, but I feel like offensively uh, it's going to be a rough year for Patrick Williams until he finds his positioning. But yeah, so the Bulls this offseason, they, they signed Ball for like a pretty reasonable contract. Yeah. The fact uh, that the Pelicans even let that happen is a bit absurd. Uh, they signed Caruso. Uh, I think Caruso's only on like a two-year deal. That's fine. And then uh, they signed DeRozan, 
which I think is the 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 pick or the the signing that like freaked a lot of people out because uh, he mm-hmm. doesn't really fit with the team. And early on, we've kind of seen signs of that. But I think in the Toronto game, we saw how it could work. He he's a great compliment to or he has the potential to be a great compliment to Zach Levine in a sense of they're very similar players, except where he succeeds more inside the perimeter. Zach succeeds outside the perimeter, Mm -hmm. but they both offer athleticism and length that kind of, even if they aren't the best defensive players, there's enough defense help helping them at like point guard and Patrick Williams that they can use their athleticism to make up for it. Oh, for sure. And then it also helps that DeRozan can basically shoot anywhere on the court for yeah. the most part. Like his three is not, he's not a three point shooter, but he can make them. Yeah, he can. Uh, like he's not, he's not amazing at it, but if Levine can't shoot uh, a three or ball can't shoot a three, you can trust DeRozan to potentially knock something down, but his mid range is fucking lethal. Like yeah. his, his step back, like all of anything he does in the mid range is just so damn lethal. And that we're not even talking about his like dunking ability, <laughs> you know. Did you see that dunk yesterday? Or he missed it, but that dunk he attempted in Toronto yesterday, or mm-hmm. he just he tried to ruin um what's the boy the rookie's name? I can't think of. I love uh, Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God! I was yeah. like, yo, what disrespect? He still he still has a chip on his shoulder against Toronto, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him, like, because they they lied to him, they did him dirty, and then they also then won a championship immediately. <laughs> so, like, you can't blame them. How, you, how are you gonna take somebody to dinner and lie to their face, and then not even like wait a little while to let the lie come to fruition? Just like do it immediately. That's and, whack. And then to, to to make it worse, they won a championship right away. So, like in basketball terms, they they were they validated. Were, they were validated. They they were in the right. Uh, no matter how dirty it was. But those are the big moves. Uh, going into the, the season, I kind of saw the Bulls as like finally being able to make the playoffs, but still like an easy first round exit. <laughs> yeah, you've been adamant about that Yeah, to a point. I can tell you're warming up to them, though. I think now they can. I don't. We'll talk about predictions later. Let's just talk about the first four games of the season. I don't want to get too far ahead, uh, unless there's anything yeah. else you want to add about like any of the other offseason moves. Um, I do really like Alize Johnson. I mm-hmm. think that he is a great energy player. I was very surprised when I read today that he's the only bench player with a, a minus in their um, plus minus category. But I don't know. Like when I look at him, it's energy out there. Like I love the Tony Bradley pickup. Can't wait for him to get more time. No offense to Vucevic or Vooch, but Tony Bradley is a highly underrated player, and he fits this team extremely well with his mobility, length, and athleticism. I think Tony Bradley potentially will be closing games over Vooch. That's what I was thinking. Once Uh, he's healthy, healthy. Yeah, I think like by all-star break. uh, (laughs) So at the beginning of the season, I was just like, okay, I see DeRozan being traded. Uh, if this doesn't work, DeRozan's the most tradable person. Now I'm looking at it. If this thing starts working, Vooch is your tradable person. And it and it works for both of them. I would hate to see DeRozan trade it just because I've waited so long for him to be a bull, never thinking that it would actually happen. It never but, makes sense. But in any trade scenario, we could get a potential like a Pascal Siakam or something by giving up Vooch or DeRozan. I would hope they don't send DeRozan back to Toronto because that just seems mean. Yeah. But it would be more reasonable and they could go with some more fluid lineups if they traded someone like Vucevic for Pascal. Yeah. But I I think they gave up so much for Vooch that it's tough for me to see them letting them go. Yeah, they would have to get like a team that wants to win right away willing to give up one of their bigs basically for it to make any sense. Uh, and he is a good playmaker. It's just the way they're playing in the offense right now is once it touches his hand, like they want him to shoot. Yeah, he's like the way I see this team working like early on. I like the way they're doing everything uh, in terms of like Levine is still your primary scorer early on, like the first two games of like, ah, oh, fuck DeRozan's hogging the ball just a little too much <laughs> and wants to be the guy. But I think they figured it out. 
uh, by like game three and four. Yeah, Billy uh, started running some different lineups a bit. Yeah, because that's what the thing is like. I, when I saw this lineup or the, saw this team, I'm like, oh shit, DeRozan doesn't always need to be with the starters despite being a starter, especially when like Kobe comes back. Yeah, Ooh, like, which I want to talk about Kobe's return at some point too, because with the way Ayo DeSumo's playing, I don't really know where Kobe fits in. And I do love me some Kobe. I, I think I think uh AO ends up being the uh the backup point guard. You put Kobe at his natural fucking position of shooting guard. I'm tired of his fucking bullshit of trying to make him a point guard. He's not a point guard. He is a shooting uh, guard for sure. And then you have like DeRozan as your de facto small forward. Not that he's coming off the bench, but like I like mixing the starters with the bench. Yeah, no, it's we have a very versatile group. Yeah, uh, but where does that leave Caruso? I think Caruso because well, the first through four games, Caruso's the guy in the fourth quarter. Like he plays mm-hmm. almost entirely with the starters uh, in the fourth quarter, and I think that's how you run this team. But like in the second and third quarter, when you need to give the guys a break. I think Caruso is one of those people you give a break with. Like he's I don't going to go so hard when he's on the court. Yeah, uh, especially like in reality. Like, do you keep Patrick Williams in the starting lineup, just hoping he finds his way defensively? Think, or like he yeah. he is a defensive player, but like to, finds his way offensively. I think you keep him in the starting lineup, but I think later in games, unless he starts to be more assertive with taking the open shot um then you'll probably see more so DeRozan shifted to power forward yeah. Zach to small forward and then that Lonzo Caruso because right now Caruso's averaging a half a minute more than Patrick Williams which is in line with what you're saying yeah uh um, Williams his minutes have been going up lately too though and I don't neglect, it was in that New Orleans game that he played, he hit the ground and that motherfucker dove on the ground with him and was pulling his arm back intentionally. That shit wasn't an accident. That was bullshit. Patrick Williams is the only thing through the first four games who I'm concerned with in terms of like, he's supposed to take that big step this year, but I think he will defensively, but offensively, I just don't think there's enough touches for him. Yeah, it's it by far is not enough touches. And it's kind of weird too, because Billy Donovan took him to that um, Bucks playoff series or final series, whichever it was, to kind of give him a feel for playoffs. And we know that they want to build him up. Like, I've always seen him. I know people compare him to Kawhi. But I've always felt like he's much closer to a LeBron if you let him flow. Does but he, he have that never vision? get LeBron touches. Yeah. Like, like I don't know if he has the, the offensive vision that LeBron has. But I can see, like, in terms of body type and uh, like play yeah. style, uh, he could get himself to a LeBron kind of like thing, like a poor man's LeBron. I know that yeah, sounds disrespectful, yeah, yeah. No, but like that's exactly what I think. Though I'm, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, but like right now, I can kind of see things staying how they are, where it's just like Caruso and Williams just kind of split uh, minutes. But then that's when I don't know what you do with White at all. And he is, I would like to think he'll come back as a better defender this year. But from what we've seen through two seasons, he looked like no matter how close he defends someone, like he just can't contest the shot well enough to, to like stop them. But I, I really think, so I think Levine is the same way, except this season playing with ball and Caruso has made Levine like a competent defender now. Because he has to keep up with Ball and Crusoe. Yeah, like, but he also has so much length and athleticism to make up for stuff. Like, Kobe's not really jumping the highest. He's got size, but he's really not the longest. He's not even really the fastest. As fast as he can move with the ball, his decision-making isn't as quick as it doesn't keep up with his actual speed. True. Uh, but, like... I would say like Levine was horribly defensively the last couple of years. And then this year, uh, just like they're the way they're just swarming they're, currently right now, like the bulls defense is just like swarm all the guards uh, mm-hmm. and hope they don't give it to the power forwards or the centers because then we can't defend them. 
uh, sort of mentality because v- yeah. Vooch is there. And then you have like Patrick Williams, who's kind of undersized, depending on if he has to pick up the center because, you know, you can't expect Vooch to play defense like that. I'm seeing a big increase in defensive ability from uh, Levine that I hope rubs off uh, on White, uh, especially because yeah. White is going to be looking at like, White's not breaking into the starting lineup. He's not six man. Uh, that's Caruso. Caruso slash Williams because like Caruso is averaging more than Williams minutes wise. So like White is either going to be trade bait or he needs to prove that he's like it sounds crazy, but he needs to prove he's better than Green. <laughs> I really love Javante Green. That's I somebody else I should have mentioned in the acquisitions. Like. I opened the Bulls app and they had, look, I downloaded it for the season. They had me give my three favorite players. I chose Lonzo, Caruso, and Javante Green because the boy needs recognition. He is going in. No, and that's the thing is that he's basically like made, like White only has the scoring over him at this Mm -hmm. point. And even that's questionable because there just won't be enough touches for White uh, depending on how they want to work him into it. But White might be one of those ones where the Bulls might, this sounds bad, but like they might have to bite the bullet on White in terms of just like letting him get as many touches as they want so they can make other teams want to trade for him. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like Like as soon as he's back from injury, they'll give him every opportunity to prove he can play, but it's going to probably mean some losses. Like, they're going to have to tell DeRozan. Like, they're not going to be able to rest Levine. Levine wants to get paid. He's going to get paid. You're not going to get rest days for Levine because he's probably not going to want that. But you're probably going to give rest days to DeRozan and, like, Caruso. And those are the days that you're just going to throw White out there and let him go crazy in hopes that they can attract the trade and then, you know, package, like, probably white with like green sadly or oh, no. or or maybe white with brown uh and True, johnson man, i could see that oh man we have we're so deep that there yeah. are so many players i like and don't want to see leave but realistically i, I think you're right like kobe white i think that caruso i think lonzo will get rest more so than caruso which would put more on Caruso to give him starter minutes. Yeah. And damn, man, like I would love to see Kobe White develop here, especially with the trend the Bulls have had of getting rid of players and they go be great elsewhere. I, but, I, I, I'm a big enough fan of his that I want to see him succeed. And if that means somewhere else, so be it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I just, even though, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to hide my internet history. Like in the past I have said trade Kobe white, but it was simply because I thought he was extremely valuable and that he didn't really fit what we needed to do to go forward. And that was lean more so on our defense, which is what they doubled down on this off season, which even further makes him not fit. And that kind of sucks because he can be such an extremely good scorer. He can be six, four, what is he? Six, four, six, five. He can be like six, five Jamal, um jamal what's his name jamal crawford yeah he could totally <sighs> fit in that that mold i i see the bulls like or they used to like trading with the hawks i could totally see kobe white on the hawks or something Ooh. And uh, we get like a cam reddish or john collins or some shit yeah you'd probably have to package kobe with like a second round pick i'm worried that you probably end up trading like like ao maybe with him <laughs> unfortunately uh yeah. just to give them something uh as like a backup plan but like i i see white being used to bring someone who's kind of big uh to compensate for vooch i'm just glad we don't have paxton anymore because i would totally see the bulls like just trading everything for ben simmons even though i like ben simmons <laughs> i love ben simmons i do and too I fully support his um ambition right now but like i could totally see like old era bulls being like fuck it we'll take that problem and then trading like yeah, let's get rid of DeRozan and get rid Patrick DeRozan Williams and Lonzo and like the next four first round picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see them selling like everything for him, even though they signed all these people. Just, uh, just go ahead, give us a first round pick with hella draft protections around it. We'll take that in return too. Yeah, 
it, cash considerations. Yeah. <laughs> the exactly. famous Paxson fucking trades. What do cash considerations even mean? Like, I have no I idea. It sounds it like a bribe. In a sense. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, we'll consider giving you cash. Maybe we'll give you some cash. And it's just like, why stop giving the Warriors players for cash consideration? <laughs> But the reason I think DeRozan is a potential trade prospect, and I don't think it will happen this year, just... Unless things go downhill. Yeah, if they go downhill, I could see it. But if they keep going this way, I think he stays. But Patrick Williams, to me, is far more of a small forward than power forward. Yeah, that's what I think he's struggling right now. mm Mm-hmm. Especially because he's got to compensate for Vujic. Yeah, oh my gosh. Because he basically knows, like... Patrick Williams is a small forward playing power forward, but then when they're out there and there's an actual center, he knows he's going to have to help double that center. Yeah, and I don't want to just rib on Vucevic. Or Vucevic. He's a hell of a player. Great player, and I think he's very defensively capable, but if I watch this motherfucker not jump one more time and just stick his <laughs> hands up like some training blocker thing like that's literally what people practice against dude that's not contesting shit he he kind of so his i know people like pointing to his rebounds but like i swear to god his feet don't move the ball just bounces to him he has like the the thing that i always had a problem with kevin love where it's like yeah kevin love would pull 20 rebounds but they would lose (laughs) you know yeah Like, (laughs) like cool Kevin Love got another 2020 game. How much did they lose by? Oh, 20 points. Fantastic. And, and oh like, God. I get that with him where he, he's just, he gets the rebounds because he happens to be the tallest guy on the court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because no it's one like else is going to rebound. bounces off and comes right there. And he's like, oh, shit, bored. Got it. There's no but. one close to him in rebounds. He's yeah. double I think everybody. Tony Bradley, you give him the, op- I mean, even look at Daniel Gafford. Over in Washington, like, dude is, I mean, he has, he went on a little slump to start the season for rebounding. I think he's like sub six right now, but he had that preseason game where he grabbed 17 boards and had like four blocks or five blocks to go along with it. And we, we've seen Gafford, we know he's hustling and going up for that. Like he's earning those as opposed to, you know, somebody got to get this board. Oh, yeah, uh, I, that's the only thing is I just don't know. Well, I think right now it's kind of hard to tell because they're 4-0 at the time of this recording. So, yeah. like, they might just continue to run this. Because uh, we were talking about before, because we were going to consider recording last week, where the one thing I kept telling you uh, offline is just I need to see them get challenged by a team. Because the first yeah. three wins were against bad teams but it was an improvement because we're so used to the Bulls losing to bad teams or they would lose so many games to the teams that they should beat. And they handled three of those teams, well, two of those teams because they played the Pistons twice. But they handled them easily for the first time in years. Mm -hmm. And then Toronto, we got to see them fight like a decent team, not a great team. We still need to see that, but we're going to see that very soon. Uh, But we at least saw some improvement on how they can place themselves in the standings. Yeah, like my thing with the first four games is I think it was a test, but a different type of test. Like they had to shake some old demons. They had to show that they know how to win because even that first game against Detroit was pretty close the majority of the game. And I think that was a vindicating moment for them. Like we won. Like it might be the Pistons, but we pulled that shit out and got it done. And then that goes into that Zach Levine attitude you said of like, yeah, we we won, but this isn't enough. Like, I'm not satisfied. And mm-hmm. so in those the the New Orleans game and the second game against the Pistons, I think you see a much more like we know we're better than you team. And even to start the Toronto game, they are beating their ass. But Toronto is a team that even with them being young, they have enough players there that have won. Fred Van Fleet. And he was going I mean, even their yeah, even their head coach, nurse. Like these mm-hmm. dudes have been there and know how to do it. So that was them coming back in the bulls like learning a lesson of like, oh, teams aren't just gonna lay down to us just because we are better than them. We gotta know how to stop them from winning as well. And that was huge. Yeah. But like these next few games shit, like the next month, how many games is it? It's from October twenty eighth 
to November 21st. Well, November 22nd, because the Pacers have been playing pretty well. We face nothing but Eastern Conference playoff, perennial playoff teams and Western Conference perennial playoff team. And if you want to call Dallas perennial playoffs, but we know that they are a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that'll be the real test of like how they look competitively against these teams. Granted, the Clippers don't have Kawhi and won't have Kawhi for a bit. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers, TBD on if they're actually good, are going to make the playoffs. But, Westbrook will even be there. Yeah. But like each of those teams bring something specific. Like they all have a star player. Mm-hmm. New Orleans didn't have Zion. Detroit didn't have Kate, which I think it's still early, but I think it's fair to say that Detroit might actually be a bit underrated based on Jeremy Grant is a really, 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 really good player. I see them competing this credit. year for a playoff mm-hmm. spot. Uh, at least. Yeah, yeah, or play in or something. Mm-hmm. But they won't be that number one overall draft pick team again. No. I like Toronto. I wanted to see Scotty Barnes and Pat Williams together, but Ivy, that can't happen. Yeah. Well, well the, the good thing is like they finally had their game that showed what their weaknesses are. And mm-hmm. sadly, not to pick on Vooch, it's, it's him right now. But they can adjust. I truly trust Billy Donovan's capabilities in terms of like, okay, how do I better utilize him at the end of a game? And that's most likely going to be, depending the team, you take him out for a more athletic player. Especially this team can fucking run. Man, can they run? I mean, so, much, <laughs> you, you just at least he can get one of them boards and he's a good passer and can get it down there. Yeah, but like they at least when they go against like a retirement squad that is the Lakers, they can probably <laughs> just tire them the fuck out. Like oh, if they and wanted Lonzo's to, gonna have a grudge at the least. Yeah, yeah. It tripped up against the Pelicans. This motherfucker gonna get a quadruple double against the Lakers. Yeah, no, but like they will at least be able to just be like, okay, most of the Lakers are over thirty five. Let's just run them like crazy. And Nikolai, take a day off. We're going to run, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Anthony Davis is going to eat that game for sure. But oh, I don't yeah. think Anthony Davis can beat us alone. I think you even just put Patrick Williams on an Anthony Davis and say, shit, we'll take our chances with Vooch against well, that, whoever well, that, the fuck else. That's when you just pull the 2K shit and you're just like, okay, well, Anthony Davis is their best player. All right, I'm going to just have a person run back and forth like a crazy person just to tire out his stamina. <laughs> you know, like... Straight up 2K shit, I'm going to run around the perimeter. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tire out their center so they have to bench him, you know? You just... and But you can do that with this team. Yeah. Like, you have it's... energy, guys. And then we're talking... We, they have dudes on the bench that could do this that are averaging, like, seven minutes a game. You know? Yeah. That they could just put those people in and just let them go crazy and kobe's not even on the team right now so like and yeah with, with javante green playing like a point guard that can play up to power forward yeah that you definitely wear them the fuck out you just say hey <laughs> spend some energy on just making them work and we'll do the rest yeah because right now donovan's playing one two three Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's actually playing ten people in his rotation. Oof! Isn't the roster? T- I know they expanded it to have seventeen people on the roster. Yeah, but like so the like, active roster is like twelve, right? Yeah, uh, twelve or thirteen. But there's okay. like three people that Bradley Thomas and Jones Jr. have only played one game. Everyone else has played at least three. So he's played ten people with at least in all the games. So like he's running a ten-person rotation. Yeah, this is a filling out period for sure. Yeah, but that if you're doing a 10-person rotation, you can tire people out because a lot of teams are only running like eight people, nine people, especially when you get like a superstar team uh, that yeah. they need their superstar on the floor at all time or super teams that need all of their superstars on the floor at all times. Uh, I would say um i'm gonna be at that knicks game on thursday it's gonna be my first time seeing derrick rose play since he was in high school Mm. which i'm very excited about i'm very sad i didn't get to see him in a bulls uniform but whatever but rose 
uh, I, well, you were out of town or you were out of the city when Rose was really playing, right? Yeah. And then also, and also tickets were just fucking crazy expensive when Rose was playing. <laughs> yep. I mean, I would have paid for those nosebleeds. Shit, that's where I'm going to be you know, on Thursday. Yeah. But them tickets were cheap. I All right. Like, let, okay. You got to let me know what, what jersey are you buying that game? Oh. I know oh. you're walking out with a jersey. Maybe. I was going to order, but if I leave the game with a jersey, the, my order of jerseys that I'm getting this season is Lonzo, Caruso, DeRozan, and I have reached a point where I kind of want a Javante Green jersey, but I'm not even sure if they sell them. Probably. Uh, sometimes, it's been a while since I've been to Bulls game, but they usually are pretty good at having like a deep, like at least like the main store. Okay. I've never bought a jersey from the stadium like i always have gotten off like east bay yeah i mean uh, i don't I east, east bay, bay these days but back in the day i haven't yeah. bought a basketball jersey like in a decade i never know where to wear them so i stopped buying them my last one i bought was a wade jersey from like his <laughs> second year in the league like the last time i bought a jersey you can tell what era it was just because it's like 2x you can tell the era a lot of my jerseys are from is because the quality is shit uh <laughs> Back when, like, the the mid-range jerseys weren't stitched, <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 the, the like, um, screen-printed ones. The screen-printed ones. Now the mid-tier jerseys are stitched, uh, which is just, like, but they're still... It throws they're, me off. I see yeah. people with those stitched jerseys, and I'm like, is that authentic, or is that replica? And it turns out to be replica, and you're like, fuck, man, you know how many Allen Iverson jerseys that I have that are fucking, like, Faded. printed? <laughs> Shit pisses me off all right let's talk about like expectations for for the team yeah aside from my prediction that these dudes are going to go 82 and 0 i think a <laughs> realistic <laughs> i think a realistic expectation is like 62 wins which is to, i think these dudes are top three in the east is what i'll say so before the season started i thought they would probably be like a seven or eight seed but now I'm looking at them like maybe a four seed. I, who who do you have? Like the I had them at a four to start the year once all the acquisitions were had. But with no Kyrie Irving and I no still, Ben Simmons, I am leaning three, potentially two, with the Bucks really being the only team. I see the Heat as serious competitors, but we've seen the Heat during the regular season take time off to you know just make it to the playoffs so i i still see the the nets doing well enough that they'll be like i think the bucks will be number one i still win the division in terms of just like pure like wins losses i still see the bucks hitting number one because i i think the bucks will definitely have a field day with the bigs on the bulls right now Oh my god. I, I actually have fucking pictured, ugly. Yeah, Giannis and Brooke Lopez against Vooch. And I mean I think that Patrick Williams is capable of guarding Giannis as well as any of the best people who defend Giannis, which isn't saying much. But the fact that Bruce Brooke Lopez will pull Vooch out of there just makes it even tougher. I mean, not that Vooch was really challenging much in there, but he's at least big. Well, yeah, that's tough. You might be right. Well, so I, I really think that we will get uh, the Nets number one or the Bucks number one. The Nets will probably be number two. And I, I think it will either be like the Heat or the Sixers, because I think Ben Simmons will play for the Sixers and I think he'll have a chip on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, which will be enough to like push them through. But I think the Bulls will be like a four. Maybe they can get to a three. Uh, but I think I see them as like a four or five. Uh, but before I thought they would be like a still a a sweep in the first round. But now I'm like, they can probably do a second round, especially if they are the four or fifth seed. I can see that. Uh, I know I'm just being a fan, but I just don't see too many teams that can... If these dudes play at the best of their potential, and I know it's a long season, 82 games, like who knows where we'll be health-wise at that point. Um, yeah. 
I can't see Philly beating us in a seven-game series unless Embiid can really carry them on his own. But I don't think Seth Curry would be able to do anything against Lonzo or Caruso. Tobias Harris doesn't really threaten me, honestly. Like, not with Patrick Williams and players like Javante Green, DeRozan. Uh, Miami, to me, is the biggest seven-game series threat. Mm-hmm. Not I, I find it. I'm a root for the Bulls, and I am always going to think the best. But I just Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, shit, even Tyler Hero and and um, Duncan Robinson. Like it, that's very that's I don't like that matchup for the Bulls, and I hope somebody else takes them out before it's our problem. Yeah, I, I can see Miami taking them out. I could see the Nets taking them out. I could see the Bucks taking them out. But I think, like, the Knicks, the Hornets will probably make the playoffs, which is kind of wild. I can see them taking out the Hornets. I can see them taking I out the Knicks. I forgot their Eastern Conference. Yeah. Oh, I can, shit. I can see them taking out the Wizards. And then, like, I don't – I like the Hawks, but I don't see them – I see the Hawks and the Bulls having a competitive season or series – so, like, I think they could make it to the second round. I think it's just when they hit up, like, Giannis, like, and, and then the, yeah. the Nets. Bucks like, in a seven-game series is for sure one we could lose. Yeah. Uh, I, I even see, on the best of days, Tom Thibodeau coming up with a strategy in New York that could beat us in a seven-game series. But I don't trust Julius Randle to execute no, I don't that either. strategy. Uh, but, like, I, I can see them being at least competitive. Uh, yeah, like the Knicks and the Bulls, they usually always have. Even though, even when the teams are trash, they always seem to have good games together against each other. So I'm looking forward to them competing against each other. And then if they make, if they both or end up in the first round of the playoffs, that would be so entertaining. Yeah, Boston too. Like I think on paper and even on the court, we're better than them. But just the general rivalry, I yeah. think they. It would not be easy, especially Tatum. That would Patrick Williams could stop him, but will he stop him? I don't think so. Oh, and then the Bulls, you know, they have to fear, you know, Cleveland's two and two. So if they meet Laurie in the playoffs, <laughs> man, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but somebody sent me a video of Laurie Duncan on um on what's his name in and on Joker, Jokic. Yeah. Apparently he posted his shit last night, and I'm like, "Damn! Well, there goes his one poster for this half of the All Star break." <laughs> He's well, he Laurie's going to be in two posters: that over Jokic, and then Green. <laughs> was it Green <laughs> that posterized him? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. So Laurie's nasty, in two dog. posters already. So, is there anything else we we want to say before we head out? Um, I think we covered our our grounds. Right? Yeah, we, we we pretty much covered this. Yeah, Cleveland. I'd say the Bulls will at least be the second best team in the division. I think it can be competitive with the Bucks, who they have a target on their back. So that's why I don't give them a clear path. Um, but yeah, damn, this was a good episode. <laughs> yeah, and we'll do this every two weeks. Uh, in case anyone's wondering why we're not doing every week, it's just... I feel like two weeks is a good amount of time that passes in terms of games that we can have something new to say as opposed to doing it every week and being like, yeah, there was two games and they were against Cleveland this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the point where you had pointed that out when we were starting this. It was like, yeah, something like we play Cleveland or some shit. Sorry, not to call you all a shit team, but the uncompetitive team multiple times in a stretch. Yeah, like that would be a boring show to do. I'm just like, yeah, I played Cleveland twice. They killed them or Bizarro Land. Yeah, fucking Laurie went for a, a 50-50. <laughs> 50 <laughs> points, 50 assists or something. If 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 Lowry does that, we will record an emergency episode okay, all right. so immediately. Let's, <laughs> let's, okay, if Laurie scores 50 points on the Bulls this season, we will record a special episode that's just us on the microphones being like, fuck. <laughs> just, yeah, just like 10 minutes of like, shit. Okay. All right, let's 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 make that real. Uh, Laurie, 
50 seems really high though for laurie i almost want to lower it (laughs) (laughs) okay 30 is within reach of him i don't think he'd do it against the bulls let's say like if he scores like 36 and (laughs) on the bulls double double okay 36 double double on the bulls yep we have to record an episode. Does Cleveland have to win? Cleveland has to win too. Cleveland has to win. Okay, then we'll record and, a special episode for that. And bonus groans and moans if it happens in the United Center. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, we'll record a bonus episode. I don't care if I have to work the next day at like five AM. What if what if this podcast is the single reason Lowry just fucks them up all season? He has a vendetta. He does like to do interviews, apparently. So he's constantly listening. Oh, man. And if that if Denzel Valentine plays twenty plus minutes and scores more than ten points, yeah. What the, I thought he was still on the Bulls on the practice squad or some shit. What team is he? He's on? like the thirteenth man on Cleveland with Lowry. Oh, he came. He was in the Lowry deal. <laughs> I, I think even... he just signed with them. Oh, after. shit. Okay. <laughs> we didn't extend them. We were like, it was nice. Thank you for your service. Um, have a great career. You look good in a Bulls uniform. You were really good in photos. <laughs> Man, I, before we go, I did. He used to annoy me so much on Instagram and shit. I'm like, bruh, why are you posting things as if you are the reason we are doing anything? Because one, we <laughs> suck. And two, you haven't done shit like what you spend they, more time posting on Instagram than you do on the court for the Bulls. Every time they would show new uniforms, he would be one of the first people that they would show. Probably because everyone else was busy and just become a model. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, ah, Tim shit. Boiler was like, go ahead, punch out the clock. And, yeah. You know, get to modeling. <laughs> <laughs> I need Levine to like practice something. You, I don't care. Just go, go do some photos. All right. Well, uh, this is a pro Pfizer podcast and an anti <laughs> Valentine, anti Lowry Valentine podcast. But we love Marcus Pfizer. Marcus Pfizer is um, the best. Marcus Pfizer didn't end up like Eddie Robinson in that scandal. <laughs> like it's so crazy how many like Chicago Lamb people were in that scandal. I say it was just like they unionized the scam and yeah. ran with it. But you know who um, we didn't see in that Marcus Pfizer. That man just wants to sell Bitcoin <laughs> and watch his child play college ball. The perfect role model for post-Bulls career players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, this was the first episode of Chad and MJC talking Bulls. We'll see you guys in two weeks. And hopefully by then, the Bulls are still undefeated. Hopefully. See ya. <laughs>